I am very soft and vulnerable and care about people a lot, but I am also very strong and focused and wanting things to move on. My husband says that my mind is like the autobahn. It has no speed limit. (laughs) Hi, I'm Mike Rhodes from websavvy.com.au and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Hey, this is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com, and thank you for tuning into episode 115 with Lisa Myers. This is part two of a two-part series where Lisa and I talk about mindset. Now, in part one of this two-part series, we spoke about how to convert mindset disadvantages into advantages, what exactly we mean by mindset, and how Lisa has used mindset to overcome a very difficult beginning in her life and build a multi-million dollar business. We talk about the value of your gut feelings and how accurate they are and a whole lot more. In the second part of this two-part series, Lisa and I talk about the how-tos, how to develop a winning mindset, what it takes to develop a winning mindset, and how to use visualization as a powerful tool to develop a winning mindset. We talk about some challenges that people face when it comes to developing a successful mindset and the key action steps that you can implement into your business and your life right away. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode, which is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high value, repeat, lifelong customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to discuss how we can get started today. Be sure to look for related links and related episodes in the show notes. I hope you enjoy listening. Here's Lisa Myers. What you are thinking and what you are saying impacts you. It impacts your life. You need to think differently if you're going to be successful. Okay. And how does anyone who's listening, how exactly do they go about doing this? How do you suggest they do it? How did you do it for yourself? So I'm a big believer in therapy, particularly in CBT therapy. Yep. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Yep. I think cognitive behavioral therapy really can help a lot. It depends on how many issues or how many things that you have that's holding you down. Mm -hmm. But I think you don't need to go through therapy to get there. It's just, it might just be a longer um, Mm. run if you you like. But first of all, you have to start with the small things. You have Mm. to start being aware of how you're talking to yourself, how you are thinking, how you're creating those patterns of behavior. So first, always starts about awareness. So how often do you tell yourself you can't? How often do you say things out loud that is kind of preventing you from doing things? Being aware first, and then you can start trying to force change by by stopping yourself. It's not necessarily about starting to say all these affirmations and all that kind of stuff. It's just preventing yourself from saying and thinking stuff that you don't want. I think like okay. the universe and your thoughts kind of take things literally. We just pointed that out now with the fingers. So okay. uh, the awareness and in your thoughts is really important. So let me just clarify something for the listeners here. So I think what you're saying is don't think I don't want to be broke. Instead, think yeah. I want to be a successful millionaire or whatever it is. Don't think yes. what you don't want, think what you do want. Exactly. So okay. um, I am a big believer in uh, vision boards. So everyone in, in the agency, and I've been doing this for years. In fact, I've been doing this longer than I thought I had. 
every year I create a vision board, um, which is a because I'm a visual person. It works for me. You could write it down if you are a person that uh, mm-hmm. that's more about words. And I have visual representations of things I would like to achieve. Importantly, this isn't pictures of cars and things that I would mm. like. It isn't about those. It's about feelings of achievements. It's mm. about things that is a, a move up in you as a being, not how much money you are. Yeah. you have. In fact, yeah. if your goal is to have money, you probably won't have it. If your yes. goal is to really be good at something, the money will come. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a result of it. It's not a goal. I completely agree. And this is very akin to the concept of mindfulness, which is quite closely related to cognitive behavioral therapy. I mean, a good framework for CBT is to draw on a piece of paper four columns, and you can have in the first column the situation. So you described the situation in brief. So the situation was that I, this particular thing happened and these were the thoughts I was thinking. And then the next column, you can have your assumptions. So what were the assumptions that was underlying this thinking? You know, maybe I assumed that I wasn't able to do the job. And so I assumed that I was going to fail at it because of this assumption that I can't do the job. And then the next one, you question the assumption in the third column. So you say, well, is it true that I can't do the job or is that just my opinion that I can't do this job? Is it just my opinion that I'm not good at maths or am I really not good at maths? And almost always it's impossible to not be good at something. It's usually your opinion that you're not good at something and that's a result of not having tried it enough. And then in the last one, you give yourself an evaluation from one to 10 to try and get some kind of an objective feel for it. And actually, before you start the exercise, you evaluate it on a scale of one to 10, you know, how you feel about your competency or whatever in that particular area. And then you re-evaluate that number after the exercise. And it's not going to drop from, you know, if you, you're not going to go from like one incompetency to 10 at the end of the exercise, you probably may move from one to two, but that is still a valuable improvement. And over time, it can get to 10. Yeah, it's a really good exercise. It's slightly complicated. I have a slightly simpler um, <laughs> yes, one to use that I've been using this for quite many years. And it's more about expressing the feelings because I think mindfulness and mindset isn't about always being positive. That's unrealistic yes. and frankly not good for you either. No. You need to express the anger. If you pretend you're never angry, you're not human. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, Basically, what I do is I have a I have a, a book uh, by my bedside, and times when I'm really angry and frustrated, and things haven't really gone as I thought or wanted it to, I write the day to day on a piece of, on one of the pages of the book, mm-hmm. and then I write furiously everything as I feel it, completely authentically with swear words and everything, <laughs> um, and I write till I cannot write anymore, and right. then I write on the next page or the the sixth page in this instance (laughs) it will be uh, the day tomorrow and then you write how all of those issues all of those feelings was resolved okay and write how they were resolved and how as much detail as you can so if you have an argument and are blow up with someone uh, you write how the conversation was how the conversation is the day after and how we got resolved so you're pretending that you're that you, it's now tomorrow and yeah. you've resolved it and you're looking back on yesterday and saying okay and this is how it was resolved yeah you don't look back you literally just you're saying that now is tomorrow and this person comes into my office and say i'm really sorry about the argument because that was silly um mm. and i should have let you speak like you literally go into detail if that's the thing that 
bothered you and how it was resolved the day after. And by just doing that, you release the aggression. You release something because you've solved it in your head. It's kind of irrelevant whether it happens or not. But weirdly, strangely, more often than not, this really aids and helps resolution to whatever the thing that is that really bothered me. But the important thing is that it allows your body and your mind to be open to resolution. And that is really powerful. Mm, okay. That's a great exercise. So you are visualizing a resolution and yeah. you're actively engaged with it. I think there's something very transformative about the act of physically writing stuff down. I That galvanizes yeah. me into action more than typing does, although I can type a lot faster than I can write. Yeah, my handwriting is terrible. I can't understand a word of it afterwards, but that's irrelevant. <laughs> Now, when you write those initial six pages where you're doing that brain dump, do the sentences need to even make sense? Or is the objective no. just, just to write down all whatever words, freehand, free writing? It's just write down. This is not a diary. No one cares. This is gonna, your thing only. No one's going to see it. And usually when I finish a book, I burn it. <laughs> I don't okay. want to carry any of that crap. Yeah. It's literally, it just needs to be expressed. And that's the importance of it. And it needs to be resolved in your mind. And then you're more likely to be able to sleep. And then in the morning, be open to a resolution or a change that will, will help you go forward. Especially, yeah. so I don't need to, I used to do it every night. And it will be like even small things that went in there. Now, I, now I've done it for years. I only really do it when it's something really big or something that I am I, not seeing a resolution for immediately and just being open. Okay. So there's a great action step for you if you're listening to this episode. If you are struggling with something, just get a piece of paper that you know you're going to burn or shred or whatever. I, I use a shredder. And just write your heart out and just get that stuff out of your head the, and get it onto mm -hmm. a piece of paper. I mean, that's a very active form of mindfulness because ultimately the way I understand mindfulness is it's just the act of observing yourself in a situation or paying attention to yourself with a soft perspective, like not with a hard, contracted kind of approach, but looking at yourself with a sort of soft gaze, but I'm, I mean that in a mental sense. And yeah. writing is a great way to just disentangle all that angst and the contractive aspects yeah. of a lot of, you know, limiting thinking. Mm, absolutely. I also really like your point about embracing the negatives and the positives, because I am totally with you on that. Mindfulness is not about just being happy and saying everything's perfect. It's about acknowledging that I'm not feeling good right now and being okay with that too. And, you know, mm. just watching that process happen as physical feelings in your body. Yeah, absolutely. I don't actually actively do mindfulness myself, but in, it is very similar to what I think I naturally do. I think it's just very important to continue expressing yourself. And if it's rage you're feeling, you need to express it some, some way and, and, uh, I'm not saying to go mental in the office or anything. It's just, <laughs> it's just if you keep that all in, it's imploding instead of, I think it's better to explode than implode. I agree. Okay, so we've talked a lot about what we mean by mindset and mm. why it's so important. We've even talked about how to get yourself into the right mindset. We've talked about, you know, doing what, you know, some people call journaling, but just doing a brain dump, writing stuff down becoming aware of your emotions, not trying to push things away, but just being aware of it and watching them arise and fall as physical sensations. We've talked about 
listening to your gut and allowing trusting in your gut a bit more and not necessarily just going with hard data. We've talked about using the similar approach with your employees and trusting them and treating them with the respect that you would treat any other owner. And that will work out to build a fantastic organizational culture, which is something I haven't used that word culture a lot in this episode, but that is largely a very valuable byproduct of having a good mindset as an owner of a business. But now let's talk about the biggest challenges you've seen in yourself and others when it comes to developing this resilient but constructive mindset. I was going to say bulletproof mindset, but bulletproof implies that there is no vulnerability. But the whole point is that you are, it's about rolling with the punches. It's about being adaptive. It's about not being bulletproof. It's about crying and breaking down and writing it Mm. down and letting it out and letting it pass through so that you then evolve into the next person, into that next stage. And you know, you evolve to the next level of your mindset. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the biggest challenges you've seen yourself go through and other people and how do listeners overcome them? How did you overcome them? Yeah, I think my kind of biggest, my biggest challenge, actually, personal and professionally, was kind of accepting my own contradictions, Mm -hmm. which impacted my business quite a lot. So I am very soft and vulnerable and care about people a lot but I am also very strong and focused and wanting things to move on my husband says that my mind is like the autobahn it has no speed limit (laughs) (laughs) the contradictions of being soft and strong at the same time has it's I struggled in the first few years because as a leader you you want people to be happy and you want Mm. people to to really to be really like going to work and stuff. Mm. But the, the problem and the challenge with being a leader particularly is that it is very much like a parenting uh, role. Yes. They don't need you to be their buddy. They need you to be their leader. They need you to make the tough decisions and not care and to make the hard decision even if they won't like it. Mm. And that's where you really, where it's really hard for any owner to to be okay with. I just think any human struggle with that adoption, especially at the first few years of uh, entrepreneurial business. And and mine did fall part of it at one stage because I was too friendly with people. And then Mm. I realized that everyone was treating me like their mother. And then I realized (laughs) it was because I was treating them as my children. (laughs) Look, this is, you just hit on a very important point. And I do think that it is a parenting relationship, but I think when you were saying they were treating you like a mother, you were kind of, I think you're saying that they were sort of taking you for granted a little bit, but an effective parent Mm. sets clear and consistent boundaries with their children. And I do remember reading this before I became a parent because I was very anxious about whether I'd be a good parent or not, because I grew up with just one. And I read this about parenting that A child that is raised with no boundaries grows up in a world of chaos because they don't know what is okay and what is not okay. And this whole testing behavior that goes through in their 
you know, in their terrible twos, what we call the terrible twos. Actually, by the way, the child is going through a lot of difficulties in that time as well, because there's a lot of mental pruning happening. There's a lot of, you know, neural connections that are being dropped off because they're not being used. And it's actually quite traumatic and causes a lot of emotional angst in the child. And this, by the way, happens again in the teens. So uh, there are physiological things that are happening. But the point is that when they're pushing the boundaries and they're forming their personalities and they're forming their ideas of what is good and what is bad and what is right and what is wrong, which admittedly is different in different cultures. If there is no consistency and there is no sense of predictability, then the child feels completely abandoned in a sense, psychologically, and they grow up with a sense of panic. So I'm not saying that you, you know, you just crack the whip with your children and you're, you're ruthless, but consistency is important. So sometimes when they're trying to develop their personalities, they're actually saying, listen, I'm being naughty. You need to, you know, whatever it is, if you believe in smacking, then you need to smack me. Or if you believe in doing some other form of I don't like the word disciplinary behavior, but, you know, you're you're setting the boundaries. They need those boundaries for them to psychologically develop normally. Yeah, absolutely. And and that is similar with any people. Yes. I think we are literally, I think the biggest lifeline is that there is such a destination as adulthood because that is total BS. Because I remember even in my late 20s and early 30s, thinking like, soon I will feel like an adult. I will feel responsible. <laughs> you never get there. That is a complete delusion. And we are all still kids. We are, in fact, we're like those Russian dolls where are one inside <laughs> yes. another, inside another. Yeah, yeah. And, and we are still the result of all those children that we were. Yes. So it is only natural from a, and I'm really interested in psychology, and I, I bring a lot of that into running a business, is mm. understanding that people when they react to something, when something is bothering them, it is usually a result of something that has happened before. And being able to to respond and not react to that is important. And so a huge part of what I've been doing in the last two years has been doing things like like behavioral profiling of everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's not really relevant what behavioral profiling you use, whether it's Myers-Briggs or mm-hmm. uh, DISC or w- whatever it is. Mm-hmm. We use DISC, but it's it's only because it's, I prefer the format that comes in. Yeah. And it isn't It isn't about putting everyone into a little bracket of what they are. This is, mm. they are a dominant person, they are an influencer person, or it isn't about that. Mm. It is totally about using these kind of reports mm. to be able to freely speak about something that is usually people don't speak about. It is whatever in that report comes out being important to them is what is important to hear. Okay. So we do a lot of exercises around that. So, for example, it basically allow people to tell others and their managers what are their trigger points, what is the thing that they feel hold them back, what is the thing that is their kind of superpower or advantage. Hmm. Um, so it's about understanding them better and exactly. giving them uh, that in a role yeah as a person yeah because hey let's face it every business is made up of people and uh you know it it is as good or bad as its people so it's about giving them that structure and giving them almost a vehicle to be able to understand themselves and for you to understand them and for them to understand you just a framework exactly it's exactly that it's building a framework where it's okay to talk about what their strength in the development areas are or what they find difficult in fact we use this a lot also when there are big disagreements when i have to when i have to go between and kind of do a 
session with people if there there's been some particularly aggressive kind of disagreement, although it's mm-hmm. not aggressive, but you know what I mean. So yeah. we use these kind of profiles to then talk about uh, perspectives. So I would say to these people that have had an argument and haven't been able to resolve it themselves. So based on what you read, because they have to read each other's profiles. So that's the important ah. bit. It's, it's great to learn about yourself. But if you read someone else's profile, once you've had an argument with them, and then you say, what in their profile can I see is the reason why they are reacting or responding like they're doing? Mm-hmm. And once you get them to voice out what they think is how they're feeling based on their profile, not based on he said, she said, this mm-hmm. is what happened, you get an immediate connection of human to human, not a situation of blown up things out of proportion. Mm. And you can resolve it super quick. That's really interesting. I remember my friend James that I was talking about earlier, the professor that I became friends with, he got me to do a Myers-Briggs thing. I think it was a Myers-Briggs thing or something similar. And actually, one of the things that came out of that was that I am somebody who really loves concepts. And that was one of the things that actually led me to launch this podcast. So I do think it can be very very revealing you know i i realized yeah. that yeah i do love concepts i love talking about things and you know examining concepts from different perspectives and a podcast is a great way to leverage that superpower or indulge yeah. in that superpower which then adds value to other businesses and people so Absolutely. it's a the, great the tool it's a great tool because that particular thing spoke to you, but there would have been loads of other things in that report that you didn't think fitted or wasn't something that you... And that's the point, is that it's not the tool itself, it's how it speaks to you. It's already telling you something you already knew. And that's why why it resonated with you. Right. But you didn't know that you knew it, if that makes sense. Yes, it's articulating something that I felt, and it comes back to that gut thing. You know, here's a framework that is almost validating something that I've always known. And this, by the way, is why I think you would enjoy an MBA because you'll have a lot of these aha moments. Yeah. Okay, so there's one action step. You know, you haven't done some kind of a Myers-Briggs thing or a a DISC thing or some kind of a profiling tool. That's a good thing to consider. I actually remember also doing the Gallup survey and I found that to be very useful as well. So I think that costs, at the time, I did it 10 or $15 or something like that, but it was well worth doing. There's another one that's called the, from a book called How the World Sees You, and it's called The Fascination Advantage. Ah. So that's kind of bringing out what the thing that drives you. And that is a thing that I use a lot in mentoring people, is figuring out what is the thing that fuels you, what adds to your energy, and what takes things away. Is that the book by Sally Hogshead? That's the one. Thank well, you. <laughs> Sally actually sent me a hard copy of this book all the way from the US to Sydney. And I have, I want to say, you know, a special thank you to her because I can't wait to have her on the show, but she was so generous in doing that. I've got the physical book sitting right here next to me in my bookshelf. I really loved it. So I read that book in, in one sitting and got all my manager to do that test as well. So the advantage test, and it's kind of similar to Mars Briggs and disc profiles and stuff. Um, I think disc profiles is more useful to do in for detail. Mm-hmm. But the great thing with her um, analysis is that it really helps you find the thing that is your superpower. What is your superpower? And I think it does it brilliantly. So mine came out with, it's kind of came out with my main thing is prestige and passion. So prestige mm-hmm. is the thing that drives me the most. 
And that kind of means that I want things to be the, the absolute best. I keep on pushing for, which is also things that, that I struggle with, is that it's the perfectionism. Oh, yes. So it's the thing that kind of drives it. It's my fuel, right? And the passion for people is also a huge one. So I've used that for a lot of mentoring sessions in the last couple of months because I do a lot of like one-on-one with people. And I got them to do that particular test to figure out if your main advantage is people, you shouldn't be stuck in a corner. If mm. your job is in a corner and just with computers and data entry, that is never going to make you happy. Making mm-hmm. understand what your advantage is, what is it that fuels you, really, really helps lead to success. Because it's one thing have a mindset, but if you're doing something that isn't equipped to the thing that is your highest advantage point, that's kind of swimming against the current when you could just be sailing. You know? mm. So it's about building on your strengths rather than trying to improve your weaknesses. Yes, absolutely. doesn't mean that you shouldn't improve your weaknesses, but it is usually the, the strength that makes us happy. The reason their mm. strength is because we've had a particular interest in it. Mm. Like when you realized that, that people and like your disadvantage of not being able to keep attention by hearing people. Yes. Uh, that has become your strength, right? And that is the thing that you keep on using. And you had this idea because you read that disc profile and you started mm. this. And that's listening to that advantage point is following mm. that path. And you need okay. to fuel that. You need to feed that part of you. Okay. Look, there's so many fantastic actionable insights that are in this conversation. You know, I just want to try and touch on them again. Yeah. We started off talking about mindset. We talked about the what and the why and laid some really good background and context to this conversation. And then we went on to talk about the how and the biggest challenges of around mindset. Now, the key action steps that have come out of this, and I touched on some of them earlier, I'll touch on them again, create vision boards, write down how you want things to be, focus on what you want, not what you don't want. So if you want to be successful in business, your focus should be about how to be successful in business as opposed to how to not be a failure in business. So, you know, you get what you focus on. You talked about this book called The Originals by Adam Grant and a whole lot of other books, actually, David and Goliath. That was, I think, by Malcolm Gladwell. You talked about Blink. And we also talked about writing things down to get stuff out of your head and to almost galvanize these destructive emotions or diffuse them, I should say, and galvanize yourself into action. But to move past them, you need to do this brain dump and physically writing down, just scribbling stuff down, which you know you're going to burn or shred later on is a very good thing. And writing down with the knowledge that you're going to shred it and no one is ever going to see that thing, including yourself, gives you that freedom to just release any blockages to your mindset or any challenges. We talked about having good quality frameworks like DISC or Myers-Briggs or whatever it is to understand your team and for your team to understand you and then use that as a mechanism to be able to say, okay, this is your superpower. Let's see, you know, is this what you feel? Does this resonate with you? And then build on that. We talked about trusting your gut because your gut is a result of a series of experiences and it's not just this wishy-washy nebulous feeling. It is your subconscious experiences which are very factual and very data-based experiences manifesting as a feeling. So don't just dismiss your gut feelings. Absolutely pay attention to data and information, but 
acknowledge your natural inclinations and your gut feelings as another fact and an important fact before you dismiss it if you are going to dismiss it but try and not dismiss it we uh, also talked about how language is a recent development and that is part of the reason why you should listen to your gut because your feelings are often not expressing themselves as you know articulate sentences but your decision center and your success as a business person is often sitting in the area of your brain that cannot be accessed by language you yourself had a lot of success by accepting your own contradictions and recognizing that you know sometimes it's important to be soft but it's also important to be firm we talked about the parenting analogy and how that applies to being a leader in a business and so if you want to be a successful leader it is important to understand that it's not about necessarily being everyone's best friend and being liked it's about being trusted as a leader and respected and understood that you are going to be consistent and fair with boundaries you also talked about how you've used a lot of variety and people from very different backgrounds and cultures with great success we talked about creative abrasion and how you've brought that to bear in your business to make some awesome breakthroughs you talked about trusting your staff member matt who then later on turned out to be on the money and you you know you trusted him over your own gut instincts and that goes to say that your instinct to trust him over your own instinct was yeah. probably a good instinct and so yeah. that's another you know strong case for trusting your instincts and we talked about things like gallup survey and disc profiles we talked about the fascinate framework by sally hogshead have i missed anything no i think that's a good summary okay great so you know, there's a whole lot of actions that the listeners can take away from this. And of course, I'll include as many links as possible in the in the show notes. But I have a feeling that the, the show notes for this episode are going to be absolutely epic. <laughs> Chances <laughs> are I'm going to publish this as a two-part series because there is so yeah. much information in here. But uh, is there anything else you would like to add, Lisa? And, and how do listeners get to know you and find you and get to learn more about your business, your mindset? and these fantastic tools you've shared with us well i can be found on birdsearch.com and i'm on lisa d Myers on twitter i uh, also have i speak at a lot of conferences all over the world and you can find my slides on slideshare for slash lisa d Myers. okay um i think you know i'm really passionate about what i do but i'm even more passionate about about people and about thinking and changing the world, I think. And I'd like to just finish off on the quote that I kind of started off with is, <laughs> it isn't who you are that holds you back, it's who you think you are. I love it. And finding the real you and finding, trusting that real you and being authentic is the most important thing, whether it's business or just life. When I finished talking to you in the previous episode in 57, I thought, wow, you know, we really left on a high, but we seem to have left on, on another high. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 